I think that there are two parts to keeping Jesus at the center of our season. I think the first part is just meditating on the story and thinking through this story. Um, when the kids were little, we had a nativity and we still use the nativity advent calendar. Um, they used to fight over who got baby Jesus at the end when they were little. I think the second part about um, keeping Jesus at the center is that um, we got to take that love and share that with others. And now that the kids are older, I think it's very important that they understand that, that we are here to give and to love. So we pass out candies to our neighbors. Um, we sing to our cul-de-sac, we deliver candies, and we've done that now for about 11 years. And I felt God say, you, your neighborhood's right here. You have all these different people. You need to be intentional with what you do. And Christmas is such an American holiday. It's a great time to be intentional and go out and build bridges with these people that we live with. There are so many different activities that we could do. Uh, it's really important to figure out what we want to do. Uh, what we say no to determines what we can say yes to. I think it's important it's allowed us to take um, the, the idea of missional living and bring it to Richmond Court. You know, we work really hard to go all over the world to do missional things when I can walk about 20 feet and Christmas carol to the neighbor and they will remember that for the rest of the year. Tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a happy new year. That has become a very intentional way that we show Jesus to the people here in Richmond Court. Well, let's thank the Sears family for nice Sears choir. And how about those kids? Let's put our hands together for the worship choir, the children's worship choir. Great job, kids. We've had a lot of choirs through the years up here. That might be one of the loudest kids' choirs we've ever had. Didn't they do a great job? Outstanding. Way to go, crew. Well, welcome, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone joining us online. We've been journeying through this Advent season, talking about what it means to live in the posture of a receiver, to abandon this achiever mentality, to step off the treadmill of being an achiever and just learn how to receive from Jesus all that he has come to give. And we've been lighting our Advent candles each week and, and preparing Lord, for Christmas Eve when we get to light the Christ candle. Do you see how the light is growing through the season as we look at Jesus as our hope and our peace and last week as our joy? And we talked about joy in the broken places last week. We talked about how we want to open up those spaces of darkness in our life and say we're longing for the light of Christ's presence to come as we wait and hope for His return and His presence today. And so last week, I, if, for those of you who weren't here, I thought I'd just kind of give you a little visual recap of what it means to have joy in the broken places, that it doesn't take long to live in life, right, where we just, along the way, you just kind of see your life unfold like that. And I heard afterwards that I kind of look like a character from a CSI or like Criminal Minds episode or something, right? When I slid on the gloves and had that look. But we talked about, right, the, the joy in the shattered spaces and broken places. The joy isn't in being broken. The joy is in who we can become on the other side of the brokenness as we surrender to the master hands of the greatest artist ever to begin to piece back together what 
become shattered by just living life. And so what I did today was I left the shattered pieces on the table over here. I thought maybe some of you who found last Sunday especially meaningful, I heard from several of you this week, if you want to take a piece of this home, uh, we're going to discard it uh, this week sometime, but if you want to take a piece and just kind of have it as a remembrance of that time, you're welcome to do so. I don't think the objects are too sharp there, just maybe keep the young hands away from it, but if that would be meaningful to you on your way out this morning, stop by the table there and grab a piece of the shattered vase. Open up your Bibles, First John chapter 4. We're looking this morning at the fourth theme of Advent, calling it Advent love, a love that moves toward us. Aren't you grateful for that, that God's love moves toward us? So it was a couple of months ago, it was one of those uh, Thursday evenings, the third Thursday of every month, our elders board meets together, and elders meetings usually start around 7, and a typical agenda runs till 10 or 10.30, so a nice short three, three and a half hour meeting, that's kind of how elders meetings roll. But some months, the elders meeting agenda is such that there's the meeting before the meeting, there's the meeting, and then there's the meeting after the meeting. Anybody ever been in those settings before? So there was the meeting before the meeting, there was the meeting, and then there was the meeting after the elders meeting a couple of months ago. And I remember walking out that night and turning off the lights and locking up the doors, and it was 12.30 a.m. It was one of those kinds of lengthy meetings. And I drove home and walk in the doors, and I thought it was strange that our bedroom light was still on. And so I walk upstairs, and Kendra's up wide awake, and she has that look of what is going on in our house. She said, and then she says to me, as I'm crossing the bedroom threshold, she goes, our fire alarms have been going off for the last hour, smoke alarms going off for the last hour, randomly. Now, my question is, why does that only happen like after midnight? Has, have you noticed that? Does it ever happen to you like at noon or like one in the afternoon? It's always in the middle of the night. Or is that just the Simpson house? It's always in the middle of the night when this stuff goes on. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I run down and get some batteries and I start, right, where the beep's going. I you know, you try to chase the beep, right? You ever done that? You're like, is it that one? Is it that one? So I just start changing out the batteries on the smoke detectors, and the more I change out the batteries, the more the beep seems to be traveling around the house. And so I come up with this brilliant idea that I'm going to climb up where the latest beep was, and I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to remove the smoke detector from the system. So I get up there, and I unscrew everything, and I get to the wires, and I undo the wires, and I... What do you think happened? The whole system went off. It's 1.30 in the morning. The smoke alarms through the whole house are going off. The girls come out of their bedrooms. Ollie, our little dog's going bananas all over. Kendra's looking at me like, you got any other brilliant ideas? <laughs> so the... And, yeah. So I'm like, we're, I'm just trying to get some sleep. At this point, I'm like, let's see if I can just get this thing to be quiet. So I had the rep. Another brilliant idea was, you know what? I'm going to go and rip them all off. There's like seven of them in the house. So I just get, and I just start pulling all of them, pulling them down. So here's the image in the garage, okay? So at the end of this, I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm taking them all to the garage, and I'm laying them there on the bench. And I'm going to close that garage door, and I'm going to bed. Pile them up there. I just get to the door between the garage and the house. 
You want to guess what happens? From that pile, beep, beep. I thought I was in the episode of Stranger Things for a moment. Those of you Stranger Things fans, you know what I'm talking about? No matter where I went, no matter what I did, I couldn't get away from beep, beep. Finally, I decided, you know, I'm just going to throw some like towels or something and let that thing beep in the garage. I'm going to bed. You know, God's love's a lot like this. I want you to think of Advent love like this, that the relentless and persistent way that God sounds the alarm of His love to you and me. That no matter what we do, no matter how far we run, no matter how many things we disconnect in our lives, do you know God just keeps coming for us? It's just beep, beep. It's, I see you, I know you. I'm coming for you. I love you. It's an Advent love. You can't escape it even if you try to bury it in the garage. It's still coming for you. And that's what this passage this morning we're looking at is 1 John 4. This is what he says about Advent love. Check this out. 1 John 4, verse 7, dear friends, as I'm going through this, if you've got a pen in your hand, just circle every time he uses the word love, and watch how often your pen moves. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. If you add it up, you, 13 times John uses in those six verses the word agape. And I put in your notes what it means, love. It's translated to your English word love. It's the highest and deepest and purest form of love there is. It has this element of selflessness and sacrifice and unconditional Love, I want you to think of love this way, is to will the good of the other. That's what love is, to will the good of the other. And John is reaching for a term to best embody God, and he says, you know what? God is love. That's verse 9. Do you see it? Just a real simple, God is love. We're going to look at three statements from this passage that kind of give us, unpack three different angles of Advent love. The first one is, to understand love is to understand God. To understand God is to understand love. God is love, and love is God. They're not two separate entities, but they're one interwoven personal reality, God and love. You cannot understand love if you do not understand God. You cannot understand God if you do not understand love. They are one in the same reality. God is love, and it's agape love. 
It's a selfless and sacrificial and unconditional. He's constantly willing the good of the other. Which flows into our second observation, right? From verse 8 when he says God is love to verse 9, his selflessness sent forth his son. God set his love on us. Do you see the sequence? So from verse 8, God is love. A natural outflow of the loving heart of God is to come and pursue us wherever we are, to come for us. Did you notice John said God came looking for us before we were ever looking for him? Isn't that a testimony of our lives? Some of you have a really poignant story about that, right? You can remember all the days of your life when maybe you were turned and running the opposite way, and all God kept doing, beep, beep, I'm coming for you. You can try to hide me. You can try to shove me away. You can try to stiff arm me. I just keep coming for you. And the manifestation of this love is this sent reality that God sends His Son And did you notice in the text, right, so from verse 8, God is love, to verse 9, God in His sending heart sends His Son, and then verse 10 is an atoning sacrifice. Now, that's Bible language that says, hey, you human beings, you have a sin issue. Have you realized how skillful we are at sinning? I mean, we're really good at it. If you're married, just ask your spouse how good you are at it. We're really, really good at it. And in your in your Bibles, you've got this much of your Bible, right? If you just turn in your Bible, right here is your Bible without sin. Right here. Take a look up here. Genesis 1 and 2, no sin. Man and woman with one another, with God, cool of the garden. Life doesn't get any better than this. God is love. Love is God. They are living in communion with each other and with God right here. And then here's Genesis 3 and onward. Here's a picture of life with sin right here. So here's what God does. God, Stay with me now. God says, my love for you is so great, sin has contaminated and fractured. And if you read any segment of this story over here, you realize how messy this is. If you haven't dove into the Bible lately, what I, one, of the, one of the beauties of the Scripture is it's unvarnished reality of humanity. And it's a mess. And God keeps coming for us in the mess. That's this. Right here's the way it's supposed to be. Here's the way it actually is. And he sends Jesus to meet with us here. All that sin has fractured and broken down, Jesus comes and says, I'm going to work with you here in this mess, and I'm going to rebuild back to here. That's the atoning sacrifice. I'm going to work with you here. That's us. We're here. We're all mixed up, we've all got issues, we've all got darkness and stuff we're working through, and God sends the light of His Son to us to work with us in what's fractured and broken down over here to begin to restore what He originally intended here, because that's the work that Jesus does in our lives. He mends back together what's been fractured and splintered apart through sin. And that's the message of Christmas. Christmas is this picture of God's relentless pursuit of us. Christmas says, I never gave up on you. Christmas says, I'm coming for you. Christmas says, you might run and hide in the darkness. Guess what? I'm going to keep sending my light. I'm going to keep sending my light, and the light is going to come, and it's going to come. Or in today's modern age, it'd be, God put a GPS tracking device on your heart, and He's not going to stop until He hits that location at its center. 
And some of you today, you remember that moment very distinctly. Perhaps it was a Christmas season for you years ago. Perhaps it was a summer camp. Perhaps it was a a moment at home with a parent. Perhaps it was a coffee over a friend. You remember when the GPS tracking device hit home between you and God, that God didn't stop. He just kept pursuing and tracking you down and coming for you. And nothing you could do, no amount of obstacles you threw in the way, could stop or deter that pursuit. And the story of this book is a whole bunch of people have tried over and over again to stop and to squelch out the light of this world coming. Like Pharaoh was trying, Nebuchadnezzar was trying, Herod was trying, Pontius Pilate was trying. They're all trying to stop this story that we're talking about today. Nothing could stop it. They couldn't prevent the relentless pursuit from the God is love, and in this love He sends, and He sends His Son to come and deal with us in our sin. Before we're looking for Him, He says, I'm coming for you. I'm coming, I see you, I know you, I'm for you, and I love you. That's Advent love. And to help us kind of crawl back into the storyline of this week in our faith, this scene out of the Bible miniseries we're going to look at here for a few minutes. And if you've never seen it, for those of you with kids, it's outstanding. It's the one that Roma Downey was involved with producing years ago. It's outstanding. You can just pull out different clips, have great conversations with the family at home this way. But here's the scene. I want you to think about all the elements that were aligned to try to prevent God sending the light on the outskirts of Bethlehem. Check this out. It's that moment when God turned up the volume, the alarm of His Advent love right there. In the outskirts of a small town in Bethlehem, That event actually occurred in history. It's a historical fact that Jesus of Nazareth was born in that setting. Whether we choose to believe it or not doesn't change that reality. It's a bit like shoving the smoke alarm in the garage and saying, I'm just going to choose to try to distance myself, but it just keeps coming. That God is love. And that out of that love, he set his love on us in the sending of Jesus, which leads us to the third element for the morning, that when we begin to embrace this Advent love, there is an ability now to love one another from a different base. Do you see that when you you receive this Advent love that he sent in his son, there's a reservoir of agape that pours into your heart. There's a reservoir of his sacrificial, unconditional, to will the good of the other. That pours into you. That's this vertical. And then if we bend that horizontal, this is where you get to bend that Advent love horizontal to the people in our lives. And did you see what John says happens in verse 12 when we do that? When we begin to, when we receive this and bend it horizontal towards one another, we make the invisible God visible right there. The invisible gets visible. Do you see that in verse 12? And so many of you, you can think of a moment in your life when this tangibly happened for you. Perhaps it was in the loss of a loved one, a tragedy, something happened in your family, and you were, it was in those, one of those moments in your life where you're asking, where are you, God? What are you doing in this space, God? 
And perhaps it was at the funeral home or in a church setting where you gathered for the memorial service and you saw people, the body of Christ, that's what Paul calls us in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ on earth, followers of Jesus here. What happened is people brought flowers and made food and, and came and visited and shared stories and, and you had this tangible sense of the nearness of God through his people. That's this. That's the invisible made visible through the people of Jesus receiving his love and then moving out to will the good of the others around us. I remember years ago, we had a young couple in the congregation and she went into labor far too early in the term. And it was one of those moments where the phone's ringing. It's like everyone, you know, rushed to the hospital, emergency room situation and I remember standing there with the young dad, and there was just a few of us in the emergency room at that time, and I remember him saying to me, where in the world is God in this moment? How could God let this happen with tears streaming down his face? And then over the course of the next couple hours, that waiting room just filled up. There were members of his life group there. There was some children's ministry, like leaders that he was serving with and she was serving with, and there were people just from the congregation, his friends, family, coworkers. This whole emergency room waiting room just filled up with Jesus' people. And we prayed together, and we cried together. We cried out to God together. And a couple of hours later, I remember the dad walking back into the circle, and he said to me, I've been asking all night long, where is God? And I see now. I see right where he is. And he just stood, and he pointed to the whole circle of faces that was surrounding him. That's it. That's when the invisible is made visible, the, the tangible sense of a selfless and sacrificial and unconditional to will the good of the other. How is God coming near to us in this space? Often he comes through the advent love displayed in his people towards one another. So you see, John says God is love and that God set his love on us. And when he set his love on us, we get to bend that and apply that towards one another. And when that happens, he becomes even more visible and tangible in those settings. I put a quote in your notes there that I thought Mike Mason embodied this so well with his writing. He wrote a great book called Practicing the Presence of People. If you're in a point in your life where you're struggling with immersion in humanity and you don't know what to do with the humanity you're surrounded with, check out Mike Mason's book. I think you'll find some helpful uh, stuff in there. This is what he said one section of. He said, love requires getting mixed up with people. We're going to spend a lot of time in our lives mixed up anyway. Why not do it together? <laughs> That's it right there. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at it. It just means we ought to be growing in a selflessness and an other's orientation in this way. Do you see that one, why Jesus, he, Jesus knows nothing of someone who's growing in their relationship with him and is harboring like bitter angerness and resentment towards people. Like those two things don't go together, like oil and water, like flaming snowflake. It doesn't go that way. Like there's just, it's not an ability to bring those two together that to grow in love for Christ is to grow, not perfectly, but to grow in our love for one another. They're together. They have to be like, one of the legacies Jesus would want all of us to be leaving is growing a legacy of a loving person. That's why one of the best markers for how we're doing in the spiritual life isn't necessarily how your Bible reading's going and how your praying's going, though those things are important. 
But probably more important question to ask is, would the people in my life who know me well and who spend time with me, would they say, I'm becoming a more loving person? That to me would probably be a much better question to ask. And not just a general love, but an agape love. Like, is there a little more agape in me this year than there was last year? A little more selflessness, a little more willing the good of the others. Am I able to do that and live in that stream? That's that kind of love. So Advent love, it's rooted in the character of God. God is love. It's grounded in His Son that He set His love on us by sending Jesus to deal with the issue that we all have to deal with, the darkness and sin and mess in our lives. And then as we stand under the waterfall of His love, we have a reservoir of Advent love to bend out towards others in our lives. And when we do that, we make the invisible God a little more visible all around us. And so three questions to draw this to a close together. Three questions I'd like us to reflect on, not just this morning, but perhaps at least through uh, the Christmas season. The first one is this. I wrote them in your notes. Are you becoming a more loving person these days? Not just a general, like, but are, can you really assess, say, can you see a little more agape going on? And just say, you know, where am I at? And just becoming a more loving person. Not perfectly, but directionally. It's not about attaining perfection, it's about a direction. And am I heading in a Jesus love direction? That would be, I think, an important place to ask. And then second question is, where, is, where has God been sending, sounding the alarm of His love in your life these days? Where do you sense a tug from the Spirit pulling you closer to Him? And then third question is have you personally encountered this Advent love in your life? Have you personally received this Advent love? Because it's one thing to know about Advent season, it's another to know the Christ of Advent season person. You can know about Christmas, or you can know the Jesus whom the season is centered upon. It's the distance, right, between knowing about what we're doing this time of year and personally knowing this God. And I think this is a great time of year to pause, reflect, and assess, am I growing as a loving person? Where's He coming to me these days? Where's the light of His presence coming in this space? And has it gotten personal yet? Has the Advent season gotten personal? It's not just kind of going through the seasonal motions because it's a love that moves toward us. So the pile of smoke detectors in the garage, okay? Next morning, got up after a few hours of sleep. Guess what's still in the garage? Guess what's still going off under the pile of whatever? Beep! Beep! So what do you do these days? You get on Amazon. Amazon can solve everything, right? And you say, well, I looked back at the serial numbers. I said, well, there's probably some of these out there ordered, right? Must, these just must be bad. I learned in the midst of this research, all of you probably already knew this, but did you know that your smoke detectors have a lifespan? No matter how often you change the batteries, they have a lifespan. And evidently when they exceed their lifespan, this is what one of your nights will be. That's the best I could conclude from what I read. And so I got all new ones. And a couple days later, the new smoke detectors arrive and in the middle of the day, I decide, Right? I'm going to go and put them all up. So I go and hook up all the wires and get them all set. And I get them and I get to the last one. 
And you know what I'm going to do after I get the last one? All the batteries are set. All the wires are set. I'm feeling really good about it. And I reach up and I hit the button that says what on it? Test. I hit it. What do you think happened? Oh, come on. You have more confidence in me than that. <laughs> A bunch of people down here said nothing. I'm like, I didn't claim to be the most mechanically skilled, but batteries and wires, orange to orange, black to black, white to white, right? White Ray, that's how it works, right? Your phone was about to ring at some point in this equation, Ray, so, so I hit the button, and all through the house, beep, beep, the whole system's blaring loud, and then I, I paused, and I Okay, here's a real moment. Is it going to stop? <laughs> and then it went silent. And I think we're good. Right, honey? I think we're good. <laughs> but here's, here's my point. Isn't it ironic that all that stuff could change New smoke detectors, some in the garage, now new ones up in the ceiling. What's the one constant through all of it? Beep! Beep! I thought, that's God's love right there. That's Advent love. Year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation, since he came to the outskirts of Bethlehem in that manger and brought the light of his presence through this child, he says, I see you. I know you. I'm coming for you. I love you. You can try to put me away. You can try to disconnect all the wires. You can try to run. You can try to hide. But the light is coming into the dark, and that's Advent love. And hallelujah, we can't do anything anything but receive it and receive it we shall today let's pray together lord we just marvel the wonder of this time of year i just love that clip of mary and joseph's faces and the wonder that captures when they see the shepherds and the magi and the peasants bowing bringing gifts had to be an unbelievable moment for that young couple. And then for you to grow as a child and eventually give your life on a cross and be raised from the dead, and here we sit 2,000 years later, that your love just is relentless. It just keeps coming for us. And, and right now, maybe the Lord brought you here today to simply hear this. Maybe today... It's just God sending the alarm of his love in your life one more time. And why not right here and right now simply receive it and just say, Jesus, save me. I give up. I take the hands off the wheel. I get off the treadmill of achiever. I release the grip, loosen the grip, and I say, I want to receive your love. Save me. I know I've got plenty of sin and darkness to deal with. Come, bring the light of your presence. Save me. Here's my life. It's yours. Make it all that you want it to be. Or maybe there's some 
here or some joining us online, you remember a moment in a day when, when that occurred in your life. But if you were honest, there's been some drifting, just kind of distracted or whatever. And just right now you can decide, you know what? I'm coming back. I'm coming home. It's kind of a rededication, a, a recommitment, a turning around and coming back. You can do that right now and say, Jesus, I want to come home. I want to come back to you. That his love is always turned towards you. That today, again, he sounds the alarm of that love. He's just coming for you. Just turn around and say, I want to come home. Or maybe there's still others here and it's been an Advent season where it's just been a, a waiting and a watchful expectation of how you're going to send your light into whatever personal darkness. Just open that up again and say, name the darkness, be clear about it, and say, Jesus, come and bring the light of your presence. Father, thank you that you are love. Thank you that you set your love on us by sending Jesus. And thank you for all the ways in our life we've experienced the love of the body of Christ, a friend, a family member, someone who's come to us with agape love and made the invisible a little more visible. Thank you for those kinds of sacred friendships and relationships in our lives and help us be that for others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.